This is your host, Dr. Jordan Silverstein, and you're listening to the Let's Talk Cancer podcast, where we make information about cancer easy to access for patients and their families. And please remember, the information presented here is for entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or education. Today, we are talking about what is cancer? We are so lucky to be joined by Dr. Sam Broadfield. He is an oncologist at the University of California, San Francisco, UCSF, where he treats patients who are hospitalized with cancer. He received his undergrad degree at Harvard, and he went to UCSF for his medical school, residency, and oncology fellowship training. He additionally obtained an education degree at UC Berkeley. He devotes his career to not only treating patients with cancer, but also teaching doctors, trainees, and patients. He has received multiple awards for his devotion to teaching. He even created a course about cancer called Cancer Today, Same Disease, New Hope. The first session of this course called What is Cancer can be found on our website. All right. We have an expert in the field of oncology as well as education on our first episode of the Let's Talk Cancer podcast. So, hi, Sam. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me. This is so great. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. We are so lucky that we get to learn from you. I'm so happy you're including me on on your first episode. (laughs) I'm honored. So, we've got a big topic, and we only have 30 minutes, and we hope to break down what cancer is to help people really just understand the basics. So, I think we should just dive right in. Let's do it. All right. So my first question is, how do you explain to a patient what the word cancer means? So the word cancer itself comes from Greek or Latin for crab. And that was originally because uh, cancer tumors had blood vessels around them that kind of looked like crab legs. So that's where that word comes from. I don't usually mention that to patients because that's (laughs) not really what they're wondering about. Um, But when I'm talking to a patient about cancer and what it is, I usually start by telling them that cancer is composed of cells, which are the smallest biological units that make up our bodies. And the cancers come from our own body cells just growing and multiplying out of control. So that's how I explain to people what cancer is. So just to make sure you are saying that cancer starts as one cell. Yeah, exactly. Just like we do. Um, Cancer starts from just a single cell that just multiplies and grows out of control and becomes bigger and bigger. And what causes cancer on general terms? Yeah, um, there's a few different ways to answer that. But I think the best answer is that cancer comes from genetic mutations or changes in someone's DNA within that one single cell that goes haywire. And when there's a mutation that happens in the DNA of that one cell, that mutation starts to cause a whole sequence of other events that lead to this cell multiplying and growing out of control. So that's one way to answer that question from a genetic perspective. And then the other way to answer it is that there's things in the environment that can cause those genetic mutations to happen. So for example, tobacco from cigarettes or ultraviolet radiation from sunlight, those are examples of things that can lead to a genetic mutation in a cell that can cause a cancer. Okay, so just to make sure I have a big picture understanding of cancer, 
cancer starts as one cell, one cell anywhere in your body that can acquire mutations through time. So when you're born, you have a certain set of mutations already in your DNA. And through time, through exposure to the environment, like when you're in the sun, when you're tanning, or when you're just in the sun being a normal person, or if you are, let's say, smoking a cigarette, you can gain access to different environmental exposures that can cause new mutations in one cell. That's exactly right. And just to be clear, um, you know, we're all exposed to things in the environment that can cause genetic mutations all the time. And most people don't develop cancer from those sorts of exposures, but being exposed to things in the environment, like the, the things you mentioned around smoking or UV light um, can increase the risk of somebody acquiring one of those genetic mutations that can lead to cancer. Awesome. It can be confusing because cancer is all over the body and can start in all different places. So how do you describe the different types of cancer? We mainly describe the different types by what part of the body the cancer started in. For example, if a cancer, uh, if a cell in the body starts to turn into a cancer in the lung, we generally call that lung cancer. Um, if it starts in the breast, we call it breast cancer. Um, there's some trickier names for different types of cancer that aren't quite as straightforward. So for example, a cancer that grows in a soft tissue, like a muscle, um, would be called a sarcoma. Um, so some of the names come from Latin or other roots and may not be as obvious when you hear them, but that's generally how we talk about the different types of cancer. And just to be clear, it's where the cancer starts, not where it ends up, which is how you... Um, what differentiates cancers? That's exactly right. And I get the question a lot. You know, somebody has a cancer growing in the lung, but that cancer might have started somewhere else and spread to the lung. And in that situation, for example, if the cancer started in the breast, but then spread to the lung, um, that's not called lung cancer. We call that breast cancer that's spread to the lung. Mm -hmm. And we may talk about a few different words or terms for that situation in a bit. Great. So now that we have a basic understanding of what cancer is and the name of cancer describes where it starts, um, let's talk about how cancer can be diagnosed. Sure. Uh, so people who have cancer may um, come to attention in a few different ways. Um, for example, there are, uh, screening tests that we use to try to detect cancer early examples of those include mammograms to look for early breast cancers or colonoscopies or other modes of screening for colon cancer. Um, there are a couple of other screening tests that are commonly used for other types of cancers as well. So that's a common way to diagnose a cancer is by catching it in someone who doesn't have symptoms of cancer but undergoes a screening test and a cancer is found. And then another way that cancer might come to attention is if somebody develops symptoms from the cancer. So for example, if someone has a lung cancer, they might develop a cough and cough can come from a lot of different things that are not cancer. But if the cough is suspicious or there's other things pointing toward cancer, we may do some testing and find that a cancer is at the root of that cough. So those are the typical ways that we find 
cancers um, for people and then take it from there to figure out how far it spread and what treatment might be appropriate. Great. And I know that you need to use a biopsy. What exactly is a biopsy? Great question. Um, once we have suspicion that there's a cancer present in somebody's body, uh, there are a few next steps that we take. A common next step uh, is imaging, meaning that we take pictures of the body using various uh, methods. Common uh, imaging that we do um, include chest x-rays, uh, CAT scans or CT scans, which are a much more detailed picture than an x-ray can give and use more radiation than an x-ray uses. And MRI scans are another common one, magnetic resonance imaging. Um, those are radiation-free scans, meaning no radiation, and use magnetism to image the body. Um, ultrasound is another one that uses sound waves to image the body. And PET scans, which use a sort of radioactive sugar. So there's a lot of different ways that we can take good and detailed pictures of the body to really uh, figure out where the cancer is and if it has spread. And then you mentioned biopsy. Biopsy is a really common next step when there's suspicion for a cancer, often after we've done imaging to really see exactly where the cancer is first. But once we find where the cancer is in the body, we do a biopsy often, which involves typically using a needle to access the cancer and take a small piece of it out. It doesn't take the whole cancer out um, usually. It usually just takes a small piece that we can then look at under the microscope to see various details about the cancer that are really important for treatment. And then once you look under the microscope, you can tell the type of cancer that it is? Right. The um, biopsy analysis can tell us what type of cancer it is. Sometimes there's even different subtypes. And then using that piece of cancer that we took out with the biopsy, we can often do lots of different tests on it to figure out all sorts of things about what specific treatment is most appropriate. Got it. Okay. So now we have a diagnosis of cancer. The primary site that it started is the type of cancer that it is. How do you decide what stage of cancer someone is? The stage refers typically to how far the cancer has spread in the body. So the earliest stage cancers, which we call stage one, are cancers that have not spread beyond where they started. And then as you go up to stage two, stage three, and stage four, those describe progressively that the cancer has spread further, either that it's grown bigger um, where, it's, where it's sitting, or it's spread to some of the lymph nodes nearby, or in stage four, the most advanced stage, the cancer spread to other organs in the body. Remembering earlier how I mentioned if a breast cancer starts in the breast, but then spreads to the lungs, that would be an example of a stage four breast cancer that's spread to a different organ. So that's how we think about staging and how we actually figure out what stage somebody's cancer is. We use uh, imaging as probably our most common tool for that. Some of those scans I mentioned earlier that can show us if there are spots of cancer in other organs or if the cancer is just staying where it started. And then sometimes we'll do a biopsy or take a small piece of what looks like a cancer um, that has spread to a different organ to just confirm that it's actually spread. So those are the main ways that we um, perform staging and can then tell a patient that you have stage one, two, three, or four cancer. And does staging tell you about their prognosis or their treatment options? 
both. Staging is intimately tied to prognosis. People with stage one cancer have a much better prognosis than people with stage four cancer. Early stage cancers, stage one, two, and often three, are considered curable in most scenarios, whereas stage four cancer is rarely considered curable. Usually it's not curable. There are some exceptions. And the treatment is determined by the stage very often as well. For example, early stage cancers, stage one, two, and three, surgery is very often a preferred way of treating that cancer. And other sorts of treatments may be used in addition, but surgery is often the goal to try to take it all out. Whereas stage four cancers, unfortunately, most of the time, surgery is not a possibility. Again, there are exceptions. Sometimes surgery is used for stage four cancer, but most of the time in stage four cancer, when the cancer is spread to other organs, we're using medications like chemotherapy that can treat the whole body because the cancer has spread so far. Got it. Thanks for that. Um, I know a term that people use a lot with staging is metastasis. Um, can you explain to our listeners what that term means? Sure. Metastasis refers to spread. It refers to um, a cancer that started in one place in the body and then has traveled to a distant part of the body. So usually we don't use that term metastasis to refer to spread very nearby to where the cancer started, though some people do use the term that way as well. But to make it really simple, metastasis refers to spread usually to, to parts of the body that are pretty far from where the cancer started. And that usually means stage four or typically incurable cancer. Got it. And then we've already talked about a lot. What is cancer? How do you diagnose and stage the cancers? The last question I want to talk to you more about is when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, there are so many people they're interacting with from the very beginning of their diagnosis. Do you have a way of understanding who is this doctor? Who is that doctor? Why am I going to many different doctors? I know yeah. that's a big and confusing topic, especially in a new diagnosis. Yeah, cancer can be a, a complicated disease and can lead to complicated situations that require a lot of different inputs and a lot of different minds to put their heads together to come up with the best treatment plan. So if someone does develop cancer, they will usually see an oncologist like me. Um, and they may also see for example, a radiation oncologist who can help use radiation as a treatment for them. They may see a surgeon who can weigh in on whether surgery is a possibility. And they may also see a symptom management doctor who may specialize in helping them to feel as well as they can during their, their treatment. Um, they may see a psycho-oncologist, someone who uh, is a psychiatrist who helps people deal with the mental health effects of cancer. They may see a social worker um, for various reasons, including the fact that cancer and its treatments can be very expensive. So there's lots of different people who can be really important in caring for somebody who has cancer. And it can be overwhelming for sure to see so many people um, involved in your care and have your life change all of a sudden where you're having to have all these appointments. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. Um, and you know, behind the scenes, all those people involved in the care are often talking to each other and collaboratively coming up with a plan. 
So I think it is for the best that people see all the people they need to see, but it can absolutely be overwhelming. Also shows you that you have a big team thinking about, yeah. Exactly. And that can, that can be really important. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for all of this helpful information. And I just want to end the podcast today asking you if you've had a patient encounter that has impacted you. I've had many that have impacted me, but one that comes to mind, I actually wrote about in a newspaper article in the SF Bay Times. Um, so you're welcome to go out and read it. Um, the title of it's called The Olympics of Gay Singing, and I'll tell you why. Um, I'm in the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, and actually when I was just joining that group, I took care of somebody who I met in the hospital who also happened to be a member of that singing group. And he sadly developed an uh, ultimately incurable uh, cancer that was um, very advanced uh, and aggressive. Um, it was a, a form of testicular cancer, um, a pretty rare form called a germ cell tumor that actually started in his chest, kind of a confusing situation. And he was a very young guy. And uh, I got to know him and we became friends. We we went out to dinner and I met his partner and um, we just were connected in, in a lot of ways. And I knew him for about a year plus um, before I lost him. And we tried our best to, to first cure and then treat his cancer once it became clear that it was no longer curable. Um, and it was just amazing getting to know him. And he was actually one of my first patients as an attending after I had finished my training. Mm -hmm. um, very impactful, both because of the similarity in age, because of the friendship we developed, the connection we shared through singing. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always remember him for sure. I'm, I'm still in touch with his partner. Wow. That is really, really powerful. It's really such a privilege, the people that we get to see as doctors in the hospital. Yeah, it's been an, an amazing job, an amazing career, and I wouldn't change a thing. Well, thank you. Any last words that you wanted to say to our listeners? Uh, mostly just thanks for having me. But um, yeah, it, cancer is is really scary. And I think thankfully in oncology, we've learned so much about cancer that it's really a whole different picture nowadays. Um, it's the same disease or set of diseases as it always was, but we have so many more treatment options and tools at our disposal now to learn about different types of cancers and treat them effectively, that people are um, being cured at higher rates and are living longer, even with incurable cancers than ever before. So it's a really optimistic time in oncology, and I'm really grateful to be in this field. Well, thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening today. Um, we'll be back with more. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks, Sam.